Hello, and welcome to the MCAP Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. This is episode 158, and I'm your host, Chris Sands. Today we are joined by, uh, I don't even know how many times you've been on at this point. Too many. What? <laughs> Too many? Happy to be back. <laughs> uh, Braden Bumpers from McClintock Distilling, and also first-time guest, Eric Koslick, who I nailed the name. Nailed it. Apparently, people for some reason have trouble pronouncing a six-letter. Yeah. <laughs> Two syllables. Yeah. It gets yeah. hard. Hey, man. And Eric, uh, I assume, own, founded Modern Bar Cart. Yeah, I'm, is... I'm the co-founder and CEO. Okay. Yeah, I've got a couple of business partners, uh, but I'm the I'm the full-time guy. And, and the face. Yeah, exactly. The face, the nose, the profile, <laughs> kind of an Alfred Hitchcock, Hitchcock type deal going on here. But um, yeah, um, we've been uh, rocking in D.C. since about 2015. So why don't you tell us what Modern Bar Cart is? Mm-hmm. From my understanding, it is a multi-pronged endeavor. Always, always <laughs> trying to, uh, you know, add, add a little bit more value. Yeah, we started actually as a, a little cocktail bitters company uh, called Embitterment. And we still make those bitters. I just I did like a 10-hour shift yesterday, uh, you know, making, making all the bitters that we sell. Uh, so instead of being our, our brand, now Embitterment's a, a product line. It's kind of like our, our flagship product line that we still manufacture. Um, and I, I think the, the other main thing that Modern Bar Card is about is, is really education, uh, which is obviously something you can relate to. Um, it, our first being event, that I need a lot of it. No, no, no. I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're doing great work here, um, in, in the beer and spirits world. So, um, but I, I think for, for me, the first time it became really apparent that bitters and education and, and cocktails all kind of needed to be in the same conversation was, uh, the first event where we ever sold our product, which was a, a event called DC veg fest in like September of 2015. And, uh, you know, we knew we had a bit of a niche product in cocktail bitters, especially in 2015 for at, at least for like mass consumption. They, they were, you know, fairly um, unknown at that point. And uh, we figured, all right, we got to pick our spot. So who's going to know uh, what cocktail bitters are? Well, all these hippie vegans and their essential oils and extracts at this vegan festival, you know, it, or stated differently, people who care about what they put in their body, yeah. right? They're, they're going to know. And yet, even though we, we thought we had really self-designated with that audience, uh, we still spent the entire time just explaining what cocktail bitters were. Um, and so that I always go back to that moment as the inflection point where we realized that education was super, super important. So I think now would be a really good time to explain what a cocktail bitter is. Yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess we should probably start with that. Huh? <laughs> um, so I make these things. They're magical tinctures. Um, uh, basically, cocktail bitters are a flavor extract. Um, so what you have are what I call three different agents. Uh, you can think of them as secret agents that all have different jobs. There's your uh, extracting agent, and that is the thing that pulls the flavor out of the other things, right? So in, in our case, it's um, just a, a grain-neutral spirit. Um, we use different proofs uh, to extract different ingredients, uh, different things. So, for example, like a delicate lavender is going to want to be extracted a different proof than, for example, our organic orange peels. So I was just talking about that uh, off-air here. Um, we extract those at, like, complete 95 
5% ABV because if you think about what you're trying to pull out of an orange peel, it's those essential oils. And so what doesn't mix? Well, oil and water. So the less water you have in okay, that process, that the better the pull on that orange oil is going to be. So um, that's the extracting agent that we use. Other folks can use glycerin, um, but that provides a little bit of flavor and mouthfeel that, that we don't super jive with. Um, and then there's your flavoring agents. Uh, so you know, talking about our orange bitters, it's one of it's probably our best seller in the essentials line. Um, you know, we just use a ton of beautiful organic oranges, a few select spices. Uh, we throw like a little fennel seed in there, a couple pods of star anise per 15 liter batch. And then um, finally, there's the bittering agent, which for us is uh, organic gentian root. And gentian is, it, it's incredibly bitter. And, you know, that's what takes cocktail bitters from being just a flavor extract to an actual cocktail bitter. So you need to have a bittering agent in there. Um, so gentian root's been used for centuries, uh, probably even millennia, as a, as a stomach settler. You know, if, um, it's, it's a, a really medicinal product. And, and for us, we, we like it because it's super bitter but also super clean. It doesn't have, like, a lot of other flavors floating around, like something, for example, like wormwood. Okay. It's very bitter, but it's also got some other kind of funky metallic flavors in there that... Do those things that uh, they come in the... Um, it's like a little bottle wrapped in a, a paper bag. I can't remember the name of them. Some of the, I think it's like a German word. Un, is it, is un, it Underberg? Yeah. Is Underberg. that what is that what's in those? I'm not quite sure what their bittering agent is, but I, I think gentian is, is... Like the same type of exactly. thing for... Yeah, we'll just go with thing. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> I mean it's pretty popular, and it's uh, it's sourced in Europe, so it makes sense that a lot of the the European uh, amari and bitters are going to be using gentian root as as one okay. of their primary bittering agents. Of course, some of them may also throw in wormwood and stuff like that. You don't just have to have one bittering agent; you can have a profile. But for us, we do two things that that makes us special in the in the bitterness category. One, we use just gentian, and in in that respect, it's kind of our constant. All the other, you know, we can change between flavors, but I know that that gentian flavor is going to be the same every time. So I can kind of dial it in really precisely. And then the other cool thing that we do is we actually, um, and this is a pro tip, other people out there can feel free to steal this practice, but um, we create our bittering agent as a separate extract. And then we dope it into the final product um, to basically kind of take into account some of the variation that we get so if we use fresh oranges well sometimes those oranges come from california sometimes they come from florida right now is one of those points in the season where we're seeing um, the citrus sources switch and there's just a little flavor variation but because i have that bittering agent as a separate extract i get to have really tight control of that and, and you know put out a really consistent product regardless of some of that variability okay that makes sense so is the um the process of making it kind of like distilling? So I always want because there's um there's this product called the Pico Brew. Have you ever seen it? No. It's like it's like a bread maker for brewing beer, where it's like a machine. It comes with like a like a Keurig pod yeah. <laughs> almost for beer. You put it in, you press the button, and it just. Well, then they started selling this. Pico still the Pico. Well, I don't. Uh, do they yes. call this a still though? Yeah. Are they? It's but, for, yeah, yeah, it's for else. essential oils. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was, I, I always wonder, like, is that how essential oils are made too? Is it like a distillation type thing, or I... sometimes? Uh, so, for example, 
like rose water and orange blossom water would be distilled like a spirit, except they would just use water. Okay. So in, in in that situation, what they're doing is they're heating up that water and the the, the water vapor is catching, they call it a hydrosol. It's catching the flavor from those orange petals or, or those orange blossom petals, the rose petals. But for us, we're making, I think of it more as like a botanical tea using alcohol at, well, alcohol and water, because okay. it's not 100% alcohol. There's both alcohol and water in different kind of ratios in the mix. But we're essentially creating a tea that when we strain it out is a flavor extract. So maceration. Exactly. It's a maceration. Brayden taught me that word. <laughs> he's, a, <laughs> he's a champion of the uh, tetrasyllabic words. <laughs> Um, that's it. That's cool. That's because, and I wonder how many people buy those pico stills and use them for. <laughs> we had somebody in our distilling one hundred and one class that had a pico still that was doing it and was asking me questions about how to use it. And I was like, I have no idea how this thing works. It looks like a Keurig machine. Yeah. So I was like, well, everything we just learned about like pressure and temperature and how to distill, it seems like it's just like a button you press and says distill this. So, I mean. Probably what, didn't need to come to the class. <laughs> yeah, my, my, but like what I'm wondering is like, cause they, they advertise it as for making essential right. oils. I'm going to bet that there's maybe like 2% of the people. Yeah. Cause it's a if, still that attaches to something that makes beer. Yeah. I would be very shocked <laughs> if somebody was using that to make essential oils. Yeah. I, th I think it's probably closer to like 50% of the people yeah. who get them. <laughs> cause I would, I, I want to look at it and like, is there a wink, wink, nudge, nudge in the instructions about making yeah. Yeah. <laughs> liquor in it? Right, like that grape thing from Prohibition where they'd sell the bricks of the essentially yeah. like grape must, and they'd be like, listen, guys, definitely do not yeah. put this in water and leave it on your counter for four days because then it'll be wine, and that is illegal, yeah. so we, don't do we that. We do not want you doing that. Yeah. There was, all, oh, there was something else I learned about during Prohibition I thought was really interesting. It was something about the way yeast was sold. Uh, there were, there was something about yeast packets and some kind of like wink, wink instructions on them that would basically told you how to make beer at home. Yeah, probably like the bread, like the bread version of that. Yeah, I think I think so. It's a there's so many cool stories from prohibition, other than the actual prohibition part of it. <laughs> right. So you make bitters. Yep. Um. But you do other stuff too, right? Yeah. So um, we have at this point eight different flavors of bitters. We're actually we actually have a, before I get into some of the other stuff. We actually do have a couple cool new projects that I that I should talk about. Um, we have teamed up so far with Catoctin Creek Distilling out in Purcellville and also Sagamore Spirit here in in Maryland, and we've actually done oh, just uh, the little guys, eh, just the little guys, you know. <laughs> Uh, but but uh, we've done bespoke bitters for them. So okay. we've, we've taken um, their products, their flavors, and their stories and created um, flavors that kind of speak to those. So, for example, with um, Sagamore, um, we uh, to proof down our NGS, we actually get the water that they source from Sagamore Farms and that they use to make their spirits. And then we also take some of their barrel scrapings um, and then we, we finish the bitters with that. And then to kind of talk about the, the horse racing tradition, we also use things like red clover as a botanical in there. You know, what, what do horses eat? You know, so we get dandelion, red right. clover in there. Just kind of try and tell some of the stories of what they're doing. And then we recently um, just released a coffee nut bitters made specifically for 
um, the Matchbox Restaurant Group. Uh, so on all of their uh, Windsor menus, you can um, enjoy cocktails using our Squirrel Jitters Coffee Nut Bitters. Uh, <laughs> Say that 10 times fast. Yeah. So uh, I was happy that they let me name that because to me, that was the only possible name for a, a Coffee Nut Bitters. But um, yeah, so we're getting a little bit more into like creating stuff for other people now, which is fun. Um, but on the, on the other front, you know, we have a podcast as well. Uh, it's called the Modern Bar Cart Podcast. Um, and uh, I do a, a lot of what you do. You know, I sit down with distillers, uh, bartenders, and cocktail authors primarily. So my the, the people I interview, are some, some overlap. I was listening to your interview with Jamie Winden from Lion Distilling on the way here. Um, so we have, you know, a lot of friends in the, the Maryland, D.C., Virginia area, but um, I, I also do travel a little bit. Um, I'm a spirits judge for the American Distilling Institute, so I'll be going um, out west again in February to do that. So, oh, cool. Um, yeah, that, that's, been, um, that's been great. So between— So you're one of those people who can try something and intelligently talk about it. I, I can more than grunt good or bad. Well, I can I can sound intelligent. Doesn't okay. mean that there's any substance behind it. Um, before I before I did any of this, I um, I have two unrelated degrees in the humanities, which kind of explains why I'm here. I, I don't have I'm, I'm a useless individual um, <laughs> when it comes to. Doing I get told anything. that all the time. <laughs> and yet here, so it's it's appropriate. We're all here together. Um, but yeah, two two unrelated degrees in the humanities, um, and I taught English um, and creative writing at the University of Maryland for for a little while. Well, so that's not useless. Well, that's... I mean, when when you walk into D.C. and try to get an office job with a poetry degree, it's a little it's always there's some there's some <laughs> eyebrows <laughs> raised, you know. Um, so anyway, anyway, yeah, I mean, I I, I enjoy. You know, when I, when I come at, at flavor, whether it's the bitters that we make or uh, a cocktail that I'm trying to talk about or, um, you know, a, a spirit that I'm judging, I, I like to come at it from that kind of, um, you know, like a, not an artistic perspective, but I, but I like to really kind of get lost in it and, and, and try and really experience it in a deep way and really try and connect to the person who made it, the, the materials that were used to make it. And I, I really enjoy that. So I think uh, even though I, I didn't really plan it this way, I think I finally fell into the right industry. Did you watch the video um, of the people who hate Braden's website? No, but oh, I yeah, saw that, that on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so tell us about that. Well, actually, let's take a real quick uh, break to thank our sponsors, and then we'll make fun of um, McClintock's website for Perfect. a little bit. Perfect. <laughs> Uncapped is brought to you by one of Frederick's original Maryland craft beer destinations, located off of Urbana Pike, featuring a warm, inviting atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh, locally sourced culinary creations and unique craft beers on tap. Open seven days a week, our friends at Roast House Pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch, happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, on spaghetti dinner battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday. All right, so what, what do you remember? I don't remember the name of that. So uh, their group is called Whiskey Tribe, and their uh, videos they do is under the Whiskey Vault. Um, they're based out of Austin. They're re it's a really awesome uh, follow. Uh, well, yeah, when you when you posted, I looked at it, they have big following. Yes. It's a popular. Yeah, they do reviews of all different kinds of whiskeys. They're really knowledgeable about the industry. Um, we, I'm, I'm still not exactly sure how they ended up with a bottle of Bootjack because. We, it said it was a gift. Okay. From some, I think. He I think real, yeah, he real quickly said it was a gift and then said 
someone's name. Yeah, but... I think one of our regulars brought it down there to Austin. Okay. Um, uh, so. Well, I'm going to Austin next summer. We'll have to send so the bourbon with you yeah, next. I can take the bourbon and I'll, t- I'll take a no cover with them. Yeah, with maybe me. we'll have a website redesigned yeah. by that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think the verdict on ours was. Uh, I think surprisingly good for how bad our website is. They yeah. spent 30 minutes on it. Uh, well, I would argue that there's something wrong with the person that spends 30 minutes trying to find. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I give up after like a minute. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It, it was. It was on us. The the whiskeys are very new, so we yeah. don't really have very much information online because, you know, it up, up until this point, it's pretty much we'll release it and sell out that day, so we don't really it doesn't require marketing right and we don't want to like advertise like come to mcclintock we have rye and bourbon when we very rarely have rye and bourbon right now so um yeah so we don't have a ton of information about the whiskey but so i didn't bring i didn't bring that up to rag on your website although i (laughs) I do enjoy any opportunity of course um it was more see i wish you would have heard it and i guess when we took a break, I could have played that for you. So you could, but, um, or I mean, you could speak to it too, Braden. Like they, they had a lot of descriptions and things to say about, is that, so whenever I hear someone talk that in depth about what they're tasting, when yeah. they taste anything, my mind just simply thinks, yeah, all right, whatever. Cause <laughs> I, I, I feel like, like they just start like, to say more things to sound more yeah, authoritative sure. um like are those all accurate flavors to taste from i i Bujack, I or think were they so i think okay. a lot of the the tasting notes that they put out um were very much what yeah we there, there wasn't there, theirs aren't as over the top as some yeah. people were and mm. i think it's a it's a double-edged sword because we get you know we submit to the competitions um and we get tasting notes back of what people are trying um and it's really helpful for us as manufacturers to get notes like that and a lot of the tasting notes or mouthfeel or nosing is really important to us um and the product we're trying to make out um but on the other side, some people do. We get notes back that are ridiculous. They're <laughs> like, you know, you need to add less less honey. There's too much honey flavor in a product that we has don't no. add has no honey <laughs> to it. Or like, uh, we got somebody said that our we had a nosing of like fall foli- foliage, mm. like grass clippings or something like that. And I was like, I don't really understand what that flavor is we we stop making the spirits in the fall right yeah (laughs) so like we have we have a sheet of 114 compounds that we usually try to look through we know what the general tastes are and if there's too much of one element like if there's too much you know vanilla we know we could probably uh cut down the time in the barrel because that's probably coming from the lignans and the wood and and you know it helps to get those notes from people that are that are you know accurate and uh, based on what they taste like we know what compound that is that we can change or adjust to kind of fit what what people like and continue to improve our products now i think one of the things they pointed out too is that it was really good for how young it was for being a two-year do you think that 
a lot of people you're not eric's nodding his head yes like, <laughs> that's, that's like, the that you're you're asking the right question do, i like this do you think a lot of people read that and just make up that like the flavor based on age in that they put way too much stock in how long something has been aged yes yes and no um i think there is definitely a sweet spot um i personally haven't you know a lot of, of what we're looking for, these reactions um, that are in the barrel, they just require uh, exposure to oxygen. They require time. Like, you won't get the development of these aldehydes that give you that, like, rich bouquet and complexity until, like, nine or ten months in the barrel. So, like, I've had excellent whiskeys that are, you know, two months, three months aged, but it's not the same depth that you get with yeah. something that takes a little bit longer. And for us... We use smaller barrels, so ours are 30 gallons. If you go down to Kentucky, you'd usually see like 53-gallon barrels. Um, so the extraction of the wood flavors all depends on surface volume ratio. So Are there larger than 53? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Be? You can get okay. a punch-in barrel. It's 500 gallons. Oh, wow. You can live in that, in that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Uh, we like the 30 gallons for our boot jack and our matchstick um, because we are a small distillery. So I want to make a good whiskey, but I can't afford to sit on it for yeah. you know four or five, six years. And in a 30 gallon barrel, you wouldn't want to because mm -hmm. it's it's you get over oaked, you lose the complexity of the spirit itself. Um, we do have a few 53 gallon barrels um, that I would like to do is like a six to eight year, um, but. I, just as just me personally, I enjoy whiskey that has a balance. Like um, I was at a, a cured uh, out in Columbia. It's a whiskey bar, and they just got in their allocation of their you know Pappy eighteen and all of this. And you know, I found myself I really enjoyed out of all of their rare whiskeys. The Weller Twelve Year was my favorite. It was the youngest out of all of the allocated bottles. Um, so I like a good balance, but that's just me yeah. personally. I think the other thing too is like when you when you hear somebody complimenting a, a two-year whiskey you know for example I, I think inevitably that means they're complimenting the base spirit at a disproportionate ratio compared to something that's like eight or ten years right, right? Uh, and I, I think um, you know one of the quality markers that I look for in a in a distillery or in a in an individual spirit is is the is the quality of the base distillate which inevitably goes back to fermentation which is you know a lot of where the art and science of distilling culminates you know um, so when I taste a young spirit that is a not over oaked because they did you know like little five gallon barrels or something <laughs> so they could you know get it jet black in three months yeah um you know there there are certain markers to to look for and and i think to have a, a two-year whiskey that just performs at two years it, it says a lot less about the um like the category and but it says a lot about the people making it and and the care that was put into that so i, I take a good young whiskey as, as a, an indicator of quality um at the distillation and, and fermentation level and i think you explained to me too like when you distill spirits, you build the recipe based on how long you're going to age it for. Yeah. Like your white whiskey is a very different, you make that a very different way than what you make bootjack right. because bootjack is intended to spend two, that amount of right. like two years in a barrel. Right. So it's all, it actually is kind of overlapped what Eric was talking about earlier with the balance of water and alcohol. Um, and all the flavor you get comes from the oils that actually are very water soluble. So the higher proof you distill it at, the less flavor you get, but the less kind of harsh 
harsh flavors, you know, that, that stuff that makes it turn green around the gills. Um, so we have the same mash for our bootjack and our white whiskey, but the way we distill it is completely different. If you tried the bootjack right from the still, it's not you wouldn't enjoy it like you yeah. would the white whiskey because it's made to have these really uh, deep flavors that change and um, are altered in the presence of the barrel. So, um, you know, we, we do try to keep every spirit in mind of what barrel it's going into, how long it's going to be aged. Um, like even our barrel aged gins, we, we distill differently than we would our foragers. So um, that's what's fun about distilling. So do you, do you think that the 15, 18, 30-year demonitors are more marketing than, like, <laughs> more fluff than actuality? Or you is know, there really something to letting it sit that long? I, I That's a really tough question to answer. I think yes and, and no in that a lot of people do like that. I know people that love whiskey and... I think if they could lick the inside of a campfire, that would be the best whiskey that they could have. It's just like very much they love like that charcoal, that really Mm -hmm. smoky, oaky, like, um, you know, flavor dominance. But when you try a whiskey that's, you know, uh, American whiskey that's 23 year aged in a new Cooperage charred oak barrel, that's pretty much all you get. You have very, very little presence of the actual, you know, grain and spirit left at that point. Mm-hmm. So I think it just depends on what Personal you like. Per- if you okay. like something that's super oaky, um, then, yeah, there are 10, 12, 18, 25-year American whiskeys you can get if you're ready to spend a few hundred dollars. And I think you need to <laughs> you need to look at where it was matured to, right? Yeah. Like, you know, if something like on, in northern Scotland is going to have, you know, like a 1% to 2% loss rate evaporation year over year. So you can kind of afford not only from like a volume, pers- like a loss perspective, but also like a – an intensity perspective um, to, to age things longer uh, up in the, the the Great White North. But um, I recently had a, a rum. I won't specify the brand, but I was uh, at a bar. I was at the whatever the Tiki Bar is in Manhattan. I, it's embarrassing that I don't remember what what it is. The, Poly- the Polynesian. Um, um, Sounds and, like a place. <laughs> so they have like a lot of rare, you know, rare rums. And I was with a couple of guys who were a little bit more lightweight than I was. And we were only there for a drink, but they were still like halfway done. And I already crushed mine. So I was like, all right, well, <laughs> while I'm waiting for them, I'll have a, I'll, I'll taste a rum. And I, I got like a, it was like somewhere between like a 20 or 25 year rum, which is almost impossible to do in the Caribbean because of evaporation so I, I don't know exactly where it was aged throughout its its lifespan but yeah i tasted it and the bartender was like very excited i was like ah, how'd you like it and i was like not impressed tastes like like <laughs> tastes like rum tastes like black oak <laughs> and it, it just did taste didn't like even char. taste like rum <laughs> yeah it was tannic and and flat and uh yeah so i, I don't necessarily buy into that super age statement type deal and i i and i always look at it from the standpoint like i don't have a super palate when it comes to spirits and stuff but like i've had um well like jack or or baltimore spirits companies epic or um even uh lions uh, uh what's the one i love the the rock and Ra- rum the bowl well, the whiskey that's made with the the rock uh, and rye yeah rock and rye yeah. i love those yeah um, so I feel like, like young whiskeys are 
kind of like have their unfairly have their nose turned up to them yeah and i think it's what we've been seeing is that is starting to change because it used to be like the 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 bourbon drinkers in particular but all you know american whiskey drinkers were so obsessed with the age statement even like four years ago when we were in you know just starting this company um and we're like we can't sell anything less than four years that's what everybody is clamoring about and you know, we made the decision to pull it when we when we pulled it. So I like this balance. I don't want it to be over oaked. Um, and a lot of those diehard, you know, has to be at least four year whiskey drinkers are becoming more open minded to trying, you know, local stuff, small batch yeah. stuff. And you get a totally different flavor. It's almost a completely different spirit than what you get. But I think that's what people are looking for today. You know, if you want a maker's mark. You, you can buy Maker's Mark. So yeah. there's there's a, a lot of cool differentiation now in the industry. Do you think that's because it, it seems like um, for the longest time, maybe craft spirits actually weren't that great, too. <laughs> that, uh, but in, early like in the history, yeah, yeah. historically, or, or there just weren't craft spirits. Yeah, yeah. Right. Or but like a lot of like I'm I'm talking like ten years ago or like small batch spirits yeah. like a decade ago weren't good like they are now yes and not nearly as prevalent also it's definitely like it's a very hard industry to break into so like you know besides like dave pickerel who's starting you know whistle pig and and all of these other small brands who was with wild turkey for a long time most of the small distillers were you know lawyers or business people or something and they just love spirits and wanted to start it and there's so much information and misinformation out there like we used to be on distilling forums all the time and i look back on those be like this is terrible advice everybody's good this is just you know one one person who doesn't know what they're talking about sending it to another and now like the education in the industry apprenticeship programs um you know like classes like what we do the industry is much more um, accessible to people who want to get into it and the more and more independently owned distilleries that pop up the better everyone is getting because it's you know we're we're i always say we're like 15 years behind where the beer movement is now so i'm hoping we can continue to grow um and like like beer i mean if you look at frederick that i can't name a bad beer that's made here they're all really good because competition lets the best stuff thrive which is great so you think that that plays into the age um snobism a little I, bit that I like think, that was that was a big mark like that's a marketing thing to stand on yeah, that right. like obviously a smaller craft there's no way they can have a 30 year yeah or fi- even a 15 year aged product because they haven't been around right that long, and that's so. what the big brands do to you know continue to move their product because they're I mean, their biggest fear, Diageo doesn't want to see what's happening with beer happen with spirits because craft beer is, what, like 15% of the market now? We had our best year ever, and we're at, like, 3.5%. So, you know, they really are trying to push this message of if it's not four years, it's not a good whiskey, which Mm -hmm. is just wrong. That's incorrect. You can make really good spirits, um, you know, at different ages, so... I think it's kind of like a safety blanket or like a security blanket mechanism that people who started drinking yeah. before the rise of, of good yeah. craft spirits, you know, it was a... It was I a, liked the band before it was cool. <laughs> or, or it's just like a paradigm where it's like, all right, 
you know, if like imagine yourself in a flashback to like 1995, you know, you go into a liquor store and what you develop a flavor for, like a flavor affinity for it is something that's, you know, four to eight years old. And then that's just your rule of thumb from there on. And, and flavor preferences and aversions, like they stick with you for your entire life just like the vegetable that you hated since you were a kid, you know? And so I think that that sort of rule, people just hold it close and they they won't let it go because it's been true for so long. And the fact that it might not be true anymore is a challenge to like who they are as a person because flavor is like so so intimate, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's why people cling to it so strongly. Um, and and yet, like you know, it's not like one of those situations where we want to like go call people out. For yeah, because <laughs> it's still good juice, right? Yeah. Your eight your bourbon's still good. I'll take a bottle of Old Medley any day. Yeah, you know? absolutely. But um, but yeah, so it's it's not something you want to call people out on. But I, I think there are some like misconceptions about why people hold so tight to that belief. Yeah, yeah, because I always just wonder because I know I'm not nearly as versed in spirits, especially anything outside of craft spirits. I mean, mm. I. I know next to nothing about the large brands other than like the things you hear people like Pappy or like the things that people talk about all the, the to aspire to try or yeah. to get. Um, I know nothing about any of them. So to me, it always like I'll try something made in Maryland that I really enjoy and then just don't understand what they're like, well, it's good for a two year. Just yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. so I always just wonder, is it because I'm like a, uh, pedestrian yeah <laughs> or is it... it's it's just yeah people have different different ideas and viewpoints on that uh, there's just so much more that goes into the flavor of a spirit than just age and that's what i try to preach to people at the distillery is like it's about the grains that go in it and you know your fermentation process and how you're distilling it the, you know barrel aging is is very important to, to whiskeys but you know the vast majority of what you can cultivate through barrel aging comes from the grains and the fermentation and the and the yeast strain you're using and i i argue that that is more important than how long it's been in the barrel all right so i took us way off track yeah. from our super um, tangent from, from our list of topics <laughs> that we were going to cover yeah we have an so, event to promote yeah. apparently <laughs> so um we're we're going to take another real quick sponsor break and then um someone will have to work on trying to keep me on track afterwards <laughs> District East is located on the 800 block of East Street, next to Rockwell Brewing Company and Family Meal. Choosing from their large selection of craft beer, you can create a custom six-pack suited to your taste. With tastings every Friday night and Saturday afternoon, Crowler and Growler fills available and kegs to go, it's a beer drinker's paradise. Their knowledgeable and helpful staff will help guide you to the perfect beer or wine for any occasion. They have been selected by many breweries to host limited and exclusive beer releases, which made them the obvious choice to feature my collaboration beers. Stop in and see them for yourself. All right, so to get us back on track, we are going to try um, something that I've been going on about for, what, a year and a half? Yes. No, going on two years now. Yeah. Although I, th- I can't remember when I started making everyone taste it. Um, probably a year and a half ago. Yeah. This is the finished product. So far, I think we've had two guests that have gone to try this so far. Both of them liked it. Nice. Um, so why don't you go a little bit more in depth about this, Braden? Absolutely. So this is the collaboration we did with you. Um, it's a project that 
single malt whiskeys were the first love of my life. Um, so we wanted to do a single malt. Um, it is a uh, 80% uh, two-row brewer's malt with a 20% uh, chocolate malted barley finish. So already we were starting with something that's very different from most single malts that were there. And then we were uh, fortunate to uh, work with the guys at Monoxy, Tom Flores, to pick out some hops. I wish he had a doctorate because, like, yeah, Dr. It'd be like Tom doc- Flores. Yeah, Dr. Tom, it, Tom Flores seems like it should be. <laughs> uh, about beer than, than I think anybody else I've ever yeah. met. It's incredible. Um, so we tasted through the, um, the first distillate we did of the single malt um, and paired it with UK Golding and Meridian Hops. Oh, um, you're, we can let out the secret now? Yeah, yeah, we can say it now. Uh, <laughs> when, a secret blend that I forgot last when, time. When we were, like, right when we were distilling it, we just shot a video, like, to, like, hey, this is what we're doing and thing. And neither one of us could remember the name of the second <laughs> hop. So, yep. so Bray was like, and a secret hop. Secret <laughs> hop. So the secret's out. Uh, UK Golding <laughs> and Meridian Hops. Uh, so we vapor infuse that using our gin basket as we're distilling the ah, single That's malt. wicked smart. Um, it yeah. is because from trying other hopped whiskeys. They can get that, a little overwhelming. Yeah, that I'm pretty sure did not go that route. It does not taste as good. Yeah, <laughs> I tried we, to make a hop syrup once and it did not fare well. It's really, hops are tough because there's so many bitter, um, bitter components to it. Um, so... With the vapor infusion, we extracted a lot of the like that nice like kind of almost papaya banana fruit note. Um, and I think that a lot of the other distillers will go and they'll use popular hops yeah. that are popular in beer. Right. And you were smart enough to consult with Dr. Flores. Yeah. <laughs> to, um, smart it, enough to find the smartest yeah, guy to help it, out with to this. pick hops that that held up right they because the the brewers that i've had try this um were amazed that you could pick up any hop still and that that's you know we we wanted to make this that it wasn't like you're drinking an ipa flavored whiskey we wanted to make a whiskey that has complementary notes from the hops so those two hops are really nice a lot of fruit um, a little bit of like banana in there, uh, and then the chocolate just kind of cleans it up. It's like that rich espresso kind of uh, dark chocolate note. Um, so I was really excited with the way this one came out. It, it was one of my favorite whiskeys we've made so far. Well, that's what I had been trying for so long. The small that, barrel. That what was we? I <laughs> ate some in a three-liter barrel, and that's what for a year and a half I had been once a week trying it and then two weeks ago we pulled this from the barrel and i liked it before but man is it so good now yeah <laughs> yeah actually aged in full a real size big, barrel yeah. for yeah for two years really came out uh really nice and i was really happy because that was the one kind of variables what you're saying was like a lot of times if it if it's in too long the hops can get stuck in the wood and you you're just left with a, a whiskey that is doesn't have any flavor to it um and so it's really nice to see that both both hops are still very much present in this whiskey so it's it's nice um yeah but if you're expecting a 
uh, whiskey IPA, this is this is not the one for you. No, this is just a good whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Although it can't be called a whiskey, though, right? That's right. It's a spirit. Yeah. It's a spirit. So distilled from hops and yes, <laughs> grain. Yeah, because there's something besides grain in it. It is a specialty spirit, not a not a whiskey. But for all intents and purposes, it's a single malt whiskey. All right. So <clears throat> maybe we can touch a little bit more on that in the release of, release yeah. of it when we we. Uh, talk more about your three-year anniversary party but I think now let's talk about the barroom blitz yes which I thought for sure I was going to say the wrong thing because I for some reason have it stuck in my head that it's the ballroom blitz yes <laughs> but it is the bar barroom blitz. blitz yeah yeah, yeah we're excited this is um it's kind of an on-trend thing uh cocktail competitions I was able to MC one at an event recently called emporium in DC and that was a lot of fun uh, and then I also recently attended uh, uh, the Catoctin Creek Battle of the Bartenders in Loudoun County, which is also a ton of fun. So I, I, I think one of our editors was a judge for that, or maybe Trevor, or maybe he was just there attending. It. I think he might have just been there attending, covering it, maybe then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of fun. So I, I I've been kind of like looking at cocktail competitions where you get bar basically you get a bunch of bartenders you bring them in you throw a curveball at them of some sort and then uh, you watch them do their work they have to you know come up with a, a cocktail concept using something under a certain set of constraints and then the audience will taste it there will either be like crowdsource judging uh, kind of like a people's choice vote or there will be a panel of judges and then eventually after a series of these you know uh, rounds, one might say, uh, a winner is declared based on some point system. So that's the concept of what a cocktail competition yeah. is. I am seed one for the uh, Maryland Restaurant Association at their uh, expo like two years ago. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, they are a ton of fun. Um, there's a lot of moving parts, actually. And especially if you have more than like a couple bartenders, there becomes more and more moving parts. Uh, so I'll kind of walk you through the way that the barroom blitz is going to work. I think with McClintock's space and with our approach, I think we're set up for a super fun event. And it's it's we've done a lot of like legwork to try and make sure that it's it's going to go super smooth and, and be really fun. So it's going to begin with a cocktail hour where six bartenders from around Frederick are going to they're going to have the chance to like kind of pre-prepare something without any constraints from us. And then, um, you know, the people will get a chance to taste their cocktails. They get a chance to talk to the bartenders. They'll get to walk around and interact. And um, each person who comes through the door will be given like two people's choice, like voting tickets or tokens. Mm -hmm. And so what they can do and here's this is kind of this is kind of one of the cool parts about this is that if they feel so strongly that one drink is better than all the rest, then they can put both of those two tokens or tickets toward as a vote toward one individual. Or you can pick your two favorites and kind of like give each one a little bit of love. So we, we've given people kind of a way to, you know, have a really interesting style of voting um, that's atypical. And so with from the six bartenders that uh, present cocktails, three of them will be uh, selected to move on to like the competition round. And then the other three bartenders will actually assist them during the competition. So they'll kind of be okay. bar backs for them. So they're still going to be in the process of making drinks fully engaged. Um, and so after the people's choice round, we're going to have two rounds 
um, kind of chop style. So the first round there will be three kind of contenders, then one person will get chopped, and then the final round there will be two sets of contenders, and then and finally we'll have our winner. So that's the kind of like the, the shape of the competition. Um, do you have a rundown that you want to go over who the contestants and everything are sure. now? Or, okay. Um, so we have uh, the participating uh, bartenders. We have uh, folks from JoJo's, Hometown Harvest, Guidehouse Grill, Volt, Wine Kitchen, and Dan's Tap House. That is our six. I'm pretty sure if Hometown Harvest just brings ice cream with them, they'll get my vote. Uh, I, I was having some <laughs> of their boozy milkshakes two weeks ago, and they were I didn't even so have a good. boozy milkshake. I just had some of their regular uh, ice cream. It's yeah. amazing. He's, he's awesome, and they're kind of revamping their bar program at their restaurant down on the creek. Um, so the timing is great, and um, I always like their stuff. It's all, you know, Frederick-grown ingredients. He's preparing a drink for the first round with uh, fresh carrot juice that they grew mm. on their farm, which is cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, no more spoilers besides yeah. that one. Yeah, way to ruin it for yeah. them. Um, yeah, <laughs> but it's really fun, and um, we wanted to do every December, we tried to do as a company something to raise money for nonprofits. Um, so the concept of this idea uh, was really cool that we wanted to give back to causes that were important to the competitors because these guys are taking a, a day off work when they could be making money to come down and do this fun event. Um, so each bartender has a nonprofit that's important to them. And then the further they get in the competition, the more money um, is raised for their cause. So uh, 100% of the profits for this event are being donated to nonprofits. Um, and we, you know, we, we really want this to be a, a fun event for everybody. The, the competition is, is going to be, is, you know, a blast. Um, but if you want to just, you know, come down, try some cocktails, hang out, that's fine too. Yeah, we, we, we want it to be, everybody have a good time. I just I actually just bought the shirt that I'm going to wear to this event. Uh, if you want to see a, a selfie in a in a mirror in a, a random Marshalls in D.C., you can see that there are deer. It's a, it's a winter <laughs> event. There's deer in a snowy landscape. So yeah. pass that around. That's oh yeah, we got the camera. Yeah, so I, I'm going to be dressed in like some some crazy duds. I'll be running around with a microphone. That's nice. I'll, I'll have my my gang here with uh, some cameras and mics. So we'll be we'll be recording some 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 goofy stuff, uh, catching some of these antics on camera for for the competition as well. But yeah, I, I love the the charitable aspect. I think it's it's so easy for us to you know take the tickets, cover our costs because obviously there are operating costs in a competition. But then just be able to be able to you know just direct the rest of it to you know philanthropic organizations is, is a nice touch especially around the holidays mm -hmm. um Braden told me i had to dress nice so. yeah yeah you know a collared shirt would would do how about a collared shirt under a hoodie yeah that's okay mm -hmm. that's okay <laughs> so it, it should be really fun the second it drops below 70 degrees i'm in hoodies yes that's just my rule yeah that's okay <laughs> you can have collared shirt and that's hoodie. why we got married in the summer yeah because Beth knew that if we went into any <laughs> past the summer, I would I'd have to have a hoodie over my tops. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, who are the judges? Uh, so you are one of the judges. Uh, Eric is one of the judges. Am I? And uh, <laughs> I thought I was the MC. Yeah, MC. I might have to, we might have to replace me with another judge. Yeah, we're we're still I finalizing the judges. You are our flagship judge, so uh, a lot of pressure <laughs> yeah. on you. 
um, but we'll get some folks who actually study up on, you know, pe- people who are well versed in the cocktail space for yeah. sure. Yeah. I, mean, I know it tastes good. Yeah. Like I said, I can grunt good or bad. Yeah. So as long as if it's like a thumbs up, thumbs down. That's pretty much. I actually, mean, no, I am good. So you said there will be a scoring system. We're, we're gonna we're gonna put together a sheet uh, that, that helps people score. See, um, I'm I'm actually I am good at that. Like if it was a freestyle worksheet. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, like the, judging things on like based on criteria. Gotcha. I like if you just handed me some like a bunch of different things and said here just judge these, it would not be fair to the contestants. Yeah. But with the I mean, if, depending on how the contest is framed, it is fair. But yeah. The, but. Like if based on criteria, yeah, I can definitely do that in a professional manner. Yeah, let's talk about that because I, th- I think that's a, a spot where things can go wrong. Kind of like whether you're ju- whether you're talking about judging like a, a plain spirit or in this situation a cocktail, which is more complicated. Um, so what we told the contestants, we sent them out, uh, you know, kind of an extensive email with talking about kind of how how the rules are and, and how they'll be judged. This one that I didn't read. I, I yes. don't know. There's, yeah, been, that would be the one. there's been a lot flying it is around. Extensive. Yeah. There are a lot of words in yeah. it. Um, so, but we basically told them, like, listen, you're going to be with the when it comes to the, the chop style rounds. There will be two secret ingredients or one one in each round. So, you know, part of what they'll be evaluated on is their use of the the secret ingredient. Part of what they're going to be evaluated on is like the the overall kind of concept of the cocktail. Because think about like when you go to a bar and you drink a cocktail. You see that cocktail on the menu, it has a name, it has a set of ingredients and a description, and whether or not the bartender actually verbally describes it to you, read the description on the menu, there's a concept that kind of has to be fleshed out, and so that's one of the things that they'll be evaluated on, um, plus uh, obviously like how how beautiful they make it. Now, there's going to be a lot of little mini samples created for the crowd, and that's what those barbacks are going to be assisting with, uh, but for the judges, they're actually going to be presenting the cocktails in glassware with gar- you know, with full garnishes, and that's, that's part of what they'll yeah. be evaluated on too. So there are multiple facets. Um, and, you know, so we'll have sheets kind of breaking those all out and a scoring system so that you can at least, even if it is kind of a soft art, at least yeah. you can kind of do it in a systematic way, which is important. It's weird to like, though, when you judge stuff that way, how often what may be your favorite isn't what wins. Mm-hmm. Like, like just recently with the Attaboy pumpkin carving contest we we had a list of like think we judged them on five criteria there was one that i thought was the best pumpkin but it like when you judged based on criteria it it did not win yeah Yeah. so i think that's that's definitely a much especially if the people know like what they're playing towards that that i think that's the best way to judge things yeah Yeah, and there are stakes right there's real money going to real charities yeah you know so you know we want the uh, the bartenders to come in and be be ready to you know show off their best stuff uh when is it it is december 13th so friday the 13th the 13th friday the 13th yeah oh uh and uh it's going to be from 7 uh to uh 10 30 11 um we are two little over two-thirds of the tickets already sold so far um we are expecting it to sell out so i would say if anybody is thinking about it um, buying sooner than later is probably a good idea you can find tickets on uh, eventbrite on our facebooks uh, for modern bar cart or mcclintock 
uh, and it's on our website as well. It's on mine too. Okay, perfect. I, well, I had to add it manually. Right, because I can't Facebook, tag you in Facebook. Facebook's a broken piece of crap. And <laughs> you can't tag uh, my Facebook page anymore. Yeah, it's very but strange. I was able to just manually add it as an event. Perfect. Perfect. It doesn't have me meant to. Yeah. Facebook. Um, yeah. All right, let's take one last break. Um, and we get to talk about um, the three-year anniversary party where people will be able to buy no cover. Um, and we'll try some of this other stuff you brought. And I want to get Eric's feedback on like what bitters and stuff would work with these different spirits. Totally. Let's do it. I'm excited to announce our newest sponsor, Vanish Farmwoods Brewery. Vanish is a brewery and entertainment complex located on a 62-acre hops and apple farm in Luckett's, Virginia, just 20 minutes from Frederick, Maryland and Leesburg, Virginia. With over 20 beers on tap, a selection of wines and ciders, along with multiple food options, there is something for everyone. Vanish has live music on Saturdays and Sundays and a wide variety of special events. Go to VanishBeer.com for information on everything they have to offer. Okay, so first, what's this one? So I this, haven't tried this one yet. This is a new one. Um, this will also be released. Cheers. 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 It smells incredible. I, this is, mm, smells like banana nut bread. It's really, it's a probably the softest whiskey we've done yet. Um, so this is a straight wheat whiskey that we finished um, uh, in uh, 10th Ward Apple Jack barrels. So um, I love wheat whiskeys. They're really soft. They're really clean. This one is... Uh, I'm picking believe... up too much honey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So we made the wheat whiskey, and sometimes wheat whiskeys can be a little thin. Um, so we wanted to do something to give it a little bit more body, a little more character. So um, this is a collaboration with Tenth Ward. We got their... Um, uh, apple brandy barrels, which were first use bourbon barrels, second use brandy, third use wheat whiskey. So this one is, um, you don't get quite as much like uh, sweet notes from the barrel, but you get plenty of sweetness from that apple jack that, that was uh, infused out of the wood. Um, so it's a probably dangerously drinkable whiskey. It is very soft, really clean. Yeah, We were it's... sipping on this the other day and it drank too much too fast really <laughs> easily um uh but yeah I, I really like it a lot and um i'm hoping this is our second collaboration with another maryland distillery um we're trying to do a few more of those next year as well do you already have those you, you just want to or do you already have stuff in the works we have some plans in place we haven't actually produced anything yet but um yeah we have so much good juice coming out of maryland it's uh who are you gonna work with uh, so we, we've been, uh, there's some, some talks in place, but, uh, <laughs> old, old line is probably one that we're looking to, cool. to work with soon. Um, uh, if there's any other distillers listening, we love to collaborate. Um, so why don't you give us some details on, um, your third year anniversary party? Sure. So it should be really fun. Um, it's all day, noon to eight, um, We'll be releasing the second and third innovation series, so both the uncapped no-cover whiskey and the straight wheat whiskey. Um, those are under our innovation series, so they are one-off, single-release, uh, never-to-come-back products. So definitely stop by if you want to grab a bottle. Um, we also will have plenty of rye and bourbon on site 
uh, that day as well. And uh, we should have some food. We'll have the sweet farm down there making um, uh, cocktails, ginger beer cocktails. Um, Shout out to Rachel. Yeah. Thank you, Rachel. And um, we are, uh, we have uh, Bob McCutcheon's band picked up playing uh, live bluegrass all day. They'll be kind of mixing and matching it up. Uh, so it should be pretty fun. You didn't want to have um, double motorcycle play? I did. I, you know, after Colin injured himself last time, I thought for the sake of his well-being, you know, that we'll, we'll get him at another event <laughs> for sure. And with the uh, Innovation Series, are you selling these only in the 375s or in full 750s as well? Uh, the Innovation is only in the 375s. So most of these we have um, really small runs of. It's usually, you know, maybe two, 300 bottles. Um, so we wanted to do smaller sizes so uh, more people could, could try them. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're all, you know, you, you got to get them when they come out and then they're they're gone forever so they're all really fun projects but we have enough core products right now where we're not trying to expand too too many more we have i think we were tasting 11 spirits over the weekend and we're like this is too too much too many scale backs yes scale. <laughs> that's a in the, in the, the um craft spirits world does that become a problem like if you have too many different products it, definitely it's detrimental compared it's, to i mean it's definitely tough it's it's always good you know at the distillery you give people the options to try different stuff but when we're really trying to get new restaurants and bars and retailers to um, pick up mcclintock products you can just see their eyes go wide when you pull out 23 bottles and put them up on their yeah. bar and they're like it's too Go much away. <laughs> so we, we really are trying to focus on what we're passionate about which is our three whiskeys our three gins and then we have the vodka and the cordial line as well to kind of round it out but you know we we aren't really trying to add too much more into that right now this was kind of the plan from the beginning is we make what we love which is gin and whiskey i think it can be done well and i think it can be done poorly you know there's there's um you know think about sagmore spirit we make rye Rye, rye, rye. Would you like to try some rye? And that's fine, right? Like that's their thing. And then yeah. they're, you know, McClintock, you guys do, you know, kind of a, a range of different products with different distillate bases. Mm. Um, and then there's line distilling. They do a, a line of different products, but with the same distillate base, you know? So I think there is, I think as long as you have like a paradigm or a governing vision that is somehow separate from the economics of it, something that makes you good and interesting, like, regardless of the the money aspect then i think it's good and then the money will follow but i think if you just you know start with a rum and then do a vodka and then a gin and then oh the whiskey's ready and it can it can feel a little disjointed so i think you know it's i think it's probably the toughest way to do it is the way that you've done it which is to have multiple different spirit offerings but still have that feeling that it's all working toward a cohesive idea of like what great craft spirits are because I think that can get easily lost if you're just trying to launch SKUs. So, of the two we've tried so far, what, um, oh, actually, which one do you like better? I like no the, the wheat whiskey. Oh, you're wrong. <laughs> um, I mean, the hop one was cool. Actually, one comment I had on the hop was, you know, sometimes when you taste, like, those super, like, high dark chocolate chocolate bars, you get almost, like, a whiny note on that. Like, like it's you get some really interesting... 
like almost whiskey or f- fruity tastes um, that that you get from certain barrel aged spirits. And that I got that really beautiful, like super like high acidity dark chocolate out of there. And I think the hops really brought that out. What was the chocolate? It was made with a lot of chocolate malt. Chocolate too, malt, that, yeah. I mean, straight off the still, it tasted like chocolate. <laughs> like yeah. It was chocolate. <laughs> yes. Um. All right. So what? How? What kind of cocktail would you make with that? What bitters would you use, or would you not use that in a cocktail? So with the the hop infused single malt, right? The yeah, I would probably go in some direction of like a a bitter, like a Boulevardier riff. So there's like um and I can't I can never remember it's called the Old Pal or the Man Around Man About Town, but it's basically a Boulevardier made with um, chinar instead of um, the traditional Campari. So you got your base spirit, which in this case would be a whiskey. You've got your chinar, and then you've got like a sweet vermouth. And those are all made in equal parts. You stir that up, you put it over a nice big rock, and then you garnish it with uh, a citrus twist. Um, for this, because there's so much interesting flavor with that uh, the hop infused and the chocolate malt, I would actually pair that back. So I'd take the idea of the Chinar kind of um, like bitter drink, and I would just do a Manhattan ratio with two ounces of this and an ounce of Chinar, stir that up and make it like a Manhattan because there's so much interesting flavor here. It kind of reminds me of like a Man About Town or one of those really vegetable uh, vegetal Amari cocktails, but you can actually pair it back and just make a Manhattan ratio and have this be like a beautiful sipper that, that still, you know, that, that has the, the flavors of the, the base spirit still really front and center. I'm super lazy, so I will probably drink every drop of it just poured over an ice cube. <laughs> to be, I mean, I, my thing these days is highballs. Um, so I get to like take my spirit and then I'll, I'll just put it, you know, sparkling water over it and it, it dilutes it. It chills it down. I still get the the base flavor, but it's so easy to sip. That's yeah. my, that's my thing these days. What about the wheat? The wheat. Which you think is the better. <laughs> uh, I just have a special spot in my heart for wheat whiskey. It's, it's not, there's not too many people doing it and it's usually not done well. So when I come across one that's done well, it's almost like going to another country and finding a food that was like discontinued in your country <laughs> that they still make. That's how I think about it anyway. Um, that it's, you know what I would almost do with, with this, it has to go in sort of the, the old fashioned camp, um, because it's got like that, that honey and that apple in there. Um, I don't know. Another, another idea. There's, there's a, a Maryland cocktail called the Diamondback, which is made with rye. Um, and I believe, or maybe apple brandy, um, and a little bit of yellow chartreuse and, and maybe some sweet vermouth. And so I think that could also maybe be in that, that uh, diamondback category because it's got like the, the apple notes from, from the brandy barrel. I, I really love apple spirits. I think if I had to pick a, like one base fruit, it would be apple as my favorite. I love Calvados. All right. So then we have, what was your first collaboration, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is the Frederick's series gin mm. but it's jennifer though right it is okay yeah which is ttb we had to call it a gin not a jennifer it's weird how i mean i guess it, it may, makes sense that they have rules governing that but it's so like i mean like the like rules am, are good for the most part it's frustrating yeah. to deal with but they're also the rules that says you know diageo can't 
take Jack Daniels and put it in a fancy bottle and say craft distilled by, yeah. uh, you know, this family in Iowa or whatever and, and put it on there. So they're annoying, but they are helpful. Yeah. Although it, in some ways they kind of get in the way of craft spirits because like the um, no cover, it, it is a whiskey but you can't advertise it as a whiskey because it has hops added into it. Yeah. But that didn't do anything to take it away from being a whiskey. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of these probably could be updated. Um, but, you know, I, I understand why they do that. You know, they're trying to protect yeah, it, know, it makes our sense. property. Like, you know, that's one of our biggest exports is you know, American whiskey yeah. you know, all over the world. And people come to know it and, you know, when you start getting into like the, you know, open that door, then you get the fireballs and the honey whiskeys and get a little uh, out of hand. Not not my favorite stuff anyways. But yeah. Uh, so this innovation series. Yeah. Um, so this was our first release. Um, we still have a few bottles left at the distillery um, as a collaboration with the um, Baltimore Spirits Company. Um, they're making some really awesome they're like us they love whiskey and gin um so we took some of their uh whiskey low wines and we distilled some of our bootjack rye low wine low wines switched them and then distilled uh the respective whiskeys into a dutch style jennifer um so i this was one of my favorite projects we've done because um, Which we've learned from the past, you don't like the Dutch. Well, yeah, that's right. I, I hate the Dutch. Uh, so we've made something that they do, and we did it better. Um, no, so we did... Uh, what? It, what's a low wine? So it's like the first run-through of spirits. So if you're doing... Uh, if you're making a whiskey that's, you know, like a scotch is double distilled. So you distill it into a spirit. You take that spirit, put it back in the still run it through again and that's your finished spirit okay. so it just it cleans it up a little bit more um, we generally don't do that we have the hybrid still so we can distill straight from grain into finished product um, but the baltimore spirits company does do stripping runs and finishes finishing runs so um we we basically so after you just the first yours run, like what the way they would yeah yeah okay. so then we switched those low wines and then redistilled them through um, and it was really fun because, you know, normally when you make a gin, it's a blank profile. You're starting with basically a vodka, so there's not a lot of flavor there. And you can build the character of the gin from all the botanicals that you put into it. Um, this one, a traditional Dutch Jennifer, still has that character of the base uh, fermentable in there. So traditionally it's, it's malted barley, but we wanted to put a Maryland twist on it and make it malted rye. So with this one, we already had this like really robust, like full-bodied, malty uh, rye base, really rich like black pepper and cardamom notes. So we wanted to make a really subtle botanical mix that kind of complemented and promoted the actual flavor of the spirit rather than covering it up. Um, so this one is like a very savory mix. We wanted to promote that that black pepper spice of the rye, so a little bit of fennel coriander um uh some we actually added some more cardamom on on the back end so it, it came out really nice uh and it's 84 proof but a nice gentle sipping jennifer this would be great in a martini yeah yeah <clears throat> well you know what to do eric yeah what would 
What would you do with this? Yeah, uh, just, just a martini. I mean, so well, and that's I. I mean, uh, a good martini is just like. Th- there's a reason why it is like when you say the word cocktail, people picture a martini. You know, it's uh, it is the ultimate in like the base. Besides the the old fashioned, the the martini is the ultimate in like a, a, an unaged base spirit just doing its work. And I think if you could get like a really nice dry vermouth in this, and then maybe I don't know a few dashes of our bitterman orange bitters, and I would definitely add that. Yes, uh, I think that you want. I, I definitely want this in a chilled glass. And I think the cool thing that you'd probably pick up. I'd have to, I'm assuming I haven't made a martini with this. You'd probably pick up in a really chilled glass. You'd get the acidity of the dry vermouth. You'd get your essential citrus oils from the bitters and whatever twist you'd use, but you'd still get a lot of the, like the spine of that grain base would still be there. And I think to me, that's why I'd want to taste this on martini because in a martini, you often don't get that grainy note. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'd be excited to try that. Yeah, that's what I've been telling people is like, if you want a gin and tonic, our other gins are great. They're built around gin mm-hmm. and tonics, but this one, you My know, it's such a delicate. A yes, yes, she does. I made her, <laughs> I made her a few a few weeks ago. Um, this one is, you know, you lose a lot of that kind of subtle like character in a gin and tonic. So it, it you know, lighter cocktails with this one, it's it's you know even sippable on its own. Um, but yeah. I did. Um, did I let you cover everything to do with Modern Barkhart? Thinking back, I feel like I may have cut you off on some I th- of it. I think so. I okay. mean, yeah. So we're. I can kind of talk about where we're headed, if that yeah. makes sense. Um, we are moving more in the direction of, you know, we're we're still making the bitters, um, but we're moving in the direction of kind of like an online marketplace. So we're current currently carrying on our website, of course, our bitters, but also Element Shrub and then um, Pratt Standard cocktail syrups. Um, so we have a full range of like twenty plus mixers. Um, we just launched some sustainable drinking straws in the stainless steel and bamboo materials, which we're excited about. Um, we've also got a tasting journal that we created. We've got some cocktail scented soaps. I have such a strong hatred for paper straws. Yeah, they're bad. Like the, I mean, I don't use straws myself ever, but try handing a kid a drink with a paper straw in it. Yeah. And it, they, any restaurant that does that may as well just come out and punch me too. Yeah. It's well, and then if you drink out of it and if you leave it in there for a while, you get like that wet paper taste. And it's like, all right, well you saved the environment, at least in your perspective, but you yeah. ruined the drink in my perspective. Um, so, I mean, that's what we like about the bamboo and the stainless yeah. steel. Um, but we're, so hopefully... all of that is me to say like, that's cool. I like bamboo and stainless steel much better. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, so next year we're going to be hopefully launching things like some glassware, some bartender aprons, some you know to really make it look and feel like uh, a marketplace. And with the podcast, um, we're branching into more video. We don't have a, a cool little studio like this, uh, <laughs> but I do have interns, and they are and they are willing to go on the road and uh, do some filming with me. So that's I need been to fun. get myself some interns. Well, we'll talk off air. I'll, t- I'll teach you how to catch them. <laughs> you got to be sneaky. You got to you got to use the right bait, but it's doable. Um, uh, but yeah, so that's that's kind of where we're heading. Um, just kind of doing wh- exactly what we're doing now, but more and just better. Expanding on the brand, exactly. Uh, and and just like because right now, if you visit our site, you're like, oh, this is cool. Oh, and you can buy a few things. But hopefully by this time next year, you'll be like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. You know. So that's that's where we're heading. It's you know kind of a it's been a multi year rebrand process for us, but it's been a lot of fun. And uh, this is why you know I, I love going out and talking to people about it. So this has been great. 
Do you have anything else coming yeah. up that you want to talk about, Braden? Um, come to the barroom blitz. Yeah, come to yeah. the barroom blitz. It's going to be so much fun. Um, I'm really looking forward to it, and I think we've really set it up to be a, a more yeah consumer friendly event. So it's really just about having I'm a good time. To it. Yeah, so it should be good and. If you do uh, want to try any of Eric's awesome bitters, we carry his full lineup at our distillery, and we have plenty of sample bottles. So if you are into bitters, or if you're not into bitters and want to start playing around with it, um, he's got these awesome mix packs, so you can uh, start playing around uh, with different cocktails. Because I'm a terrible bartender, but Eric has <laughs> made it easy to make some really cool, simple cocktails. Well, I mean, from watching TV, you have a phenomenal bartender on staff. Yes, that's it. Zach Kennedy. <laughs> he made it on TV, head bartender. <laughs> Very good. Next time your wife makes a gin and tonic, tell her to try some of either the tiki bitters or the liquid gold bitters in there. Those both go really well with gin and tonics okay. with a squeeze of lime. I have to pick up some more gin. I think we're out of gin. So then I'll get some gin, and then she can try that out. Definitely. Tiger Tangre is pretty good deals going That's on That's right usually now, what she so drinks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I don't, I don't know that she's drank any other gin than Forager. Why would you need to? Any, so, well, especially <laughs> being a member of the club. Yeah, get, you get, to, why you get would some I? free bottles yeah. out of it. Well, not yeah. free, just prepaid. That's right. <laughs> Included in the yeah. cost of the Inventors Club. I always tell people that the Forger Gin was the best batch one spirit I've ever tasted. <laughs> yeah, you got it right from the <laughs> And right then, from uh, the then you guys changed the mash bill or the, the botanical bill. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> it's still really good. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, I want to thank you for coming out. I think we've covered everything um so everyone's homework is to go to the ballroom blitz that takes place on december 13th december 13th um before that though everyone should go to mcclintock's third year anniversary i mean if you really want to you could get some of the wheat whiskey but you should definitely (laughs) get some of the hop infused spirit distilled from grain yes um and thank you everyone for watching and listening cheers thanks for having us cheers uncapped is brought to you with support from mcclintock distilling maryland's first and only organic certified distillery they are well known for their award-winning gin and are rapidly growing a name for themselves for their matchstick bourbon and bootjack rye whiskey that have both won double gold at international spirits competitions You can visit them in historic downtown Frederick along Carroll Creek for tours and tastings. Go to mcclintockdistilling.com for more information. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook, and if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.